everybody and welcome back to Opera Off Stage. I'm Jesse and I'm Michelle. And today we are actually doing a second run at our Russia conversation. So we actually recorded an episode about Russian artists and their removal from certain institutions and we were trying to get into the topic of what it means to try and separate art and politics and if we should and we decided that our conversation kind of missed the mark on what we really believe and we spent too much time in areas that we didn't want to and that we were in fact making the same mistakes that we were criticizing of others. So we have decided to give this a second run. Take two, you guys. It's always good to know that like if you, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. Exactly. But it's a difficult topic and I'm not surprised that we ended up having to to rehash this a little bit. Yeah, I think anytime we do an Issues in Opera episode, there's only so much that we can, you know, map out and have kind of planned. And then once that conversation starts moving organically, it just changes and evolves. And sometimes you go back and say, oh, we spent a little bit too much time talking about this and we really should have focused on that. So thanks for giving us a little bit of grace and let's jump into it. Well, the reality is, is like at the time what we were making the first run at it, the news was basically covered with two names, which was Anna Netrebko and Valerie Gergiev. And the reason was that they had lost a lot of work due to their close ties to Putin. And at that point, the beginning of the invasion of Ukraine by Russia. And we realized we spent a lot of time just discussing their connections to Putin. And we don't really need to go into it. I imagine most of you know that Valery Gergiev and Anna Dutrebko signed a petition supporting Putin's presidency, supporting his run for president in the early 2000s. They've, you know, been a part of what were TV ads for him. They've donated money to opera houses and to symphonies in occupied territories. And Trebko is seen holding a flag for an occupied territory in Ukraine. I don't really have to go into every single detail for you to get the idea that these people are close to Putin. And that is specifically why they were removed from these institutions. And Actually, today, while I was cleaning up our outline, I came across something because I was like, let me double check that neither of these people have spoken out since, since we are redoing this, and it has been almost a month and a half, two months since we recorded that episode. And to my eternal frustration, Anna Netrebko has made another statement. They're hard for me to see because Anna Netrebko has closed off her uh, Instagram account and neither Michelle or I followed her at the time. So she issued a statement in March that she was opposed to the senseless war of aggression and I am calling on Russia to end this war right now. But she refuses to ever directly speak about Putin. She then in late March said, I've really only met Putin a handful of times in my entire life, most notably on the occasion of receiving awards in recognition of my art. She won the People's Artists of Russia uh, and was received that award from Putin in person in 2008 or at the Olympics opening ceremony. She says, I am not a member of any political party, nor am I allied with any leader of Russia. Netrebko said in late March, I acknowledge and regret that past actions or statements of mine could have been misinterpreted. I mm. signing a petition For someone to be signing a document saying you support someone's run for a presidency is allying yourself with a leader of Russia. (laughs) I just have to say, this is a classic move that Anna Netrebko always tries to pull, right? She says something, uh, you know, crazy and inappropriate about 
whatever it is we're societally having issues with at the time. And she always backtracks after like an extended period of time saying, I'm sorry if my actions or words were misinterpreted. It's always misinterpreted. It's always the misinterpretation. And it's like nothing, nothing was misinterpreted. You said what you said. No responsibility. Yeah. Like there's no responsibility ever taken. Gosh, that is just so frustrating. It is. It's eternally frustrating because when I saw that she like made the statement about the war, I was like, it's not enough to get her back into any of these institutions. But I was kind of proud of it. And I scroll just a half inch down. This, by the way, I am reading uh, these quotes off of an article from the Associated Press. But it, it drives me nuts that she just can't <laughs> say, like, I made a mistake. I supported a like a violent tyrant. <laughs> And I was wrong. I didn't think he was this in X year when she originally signed those documents or accepted awards from him. I I made a mistake because it, that's the thing about this. It's I acknowledge and regret the past actions. End. End the sentence there, Anna. She never can. I really have to speak to her PR team because... I'm so sorry you misunderstood me. Anna Trebko is absolutely a person to say something absolutely hurtful to your face and then be like, I, I'm sorry you feel that way about it. I'm sorry you took it that way. Well, yeah, and I feel like this is just like a direct repeat of her comments on like the whole Me Too movement. And it's just like there have been too many incidents of this like to really cut her any slack, I feel. Yeah, I feel like if you make this type of offense you know as many times as she has like i i just feel like you can't dismiss it but whatever no because here's the thing she's never once in her entire life taken responsibility for the words that have come out of her mouth yeah yeah you don't get to sign a document supporting someone's run for presidency you don't hold up a separatist flag you don't donate money to occupied territories and then say i'm apolitical let's like also not forget that she wished that she had the chance to be putin's lover which just takes it just even (laughs) further that was the best when tabloids ran an article saying that like she she was putin's lover she says i i'm not but i wish i had had the opportunity to be you gotta you gotta do more than say you don't understand me (laughs) nobody gets me um and i don't really think i have to say much about valery gergiev he's a long-standing supporter of putin and is very unrepentant about that fact (laughs) There is something, like, about Putin's energy, though, that, like, really gets these people going. Because, you know, in, in, that, in that interview... It's the shirtless on horseback riding. Post, <laughs> yeah, she, like, loves his strong male energy. And then for Valerie, Valerie Gurgiev, there's that notorious campaign ad where he's basically oh, yeah. saying, like, you have to... It's like this... this I don't even understand. There's this um, video of him where he is so in love with Putin because basically him going through the airport and showing his passport to somebody and them seeing that he's from Russia and being like scared is like attractive to him. And I just, I don't understand. I guess this energy resonates with some people (laughs) clearly. Yeah. It's a lot is what I'll say. So neither of these people has really walked back their association with Putin in any real way. There have been some excuses made. But there was a big question of, is it right to pull Russian artists off of the stage? And the conversation largely focused around these two people. And, of course, part of that question has to be, how free are people to speak 
in light of the fact that Russia's regime is not very happy about people who speak out against Putin, that it is not very friendly towards those who do, and that both of these people, while they may not currently live in Russia, I know that, um, I don't know where Valery Gorgiev currently lives, but Anna Trepko lives in Austria. Mm-hmm. But they still have family in Russia. There are still people who could pay necessarily if they say the wrong thing. Um, and that was a good question to bring up. However, it doesn't exactly ring true in light of the fact that there are over 17,000 Russian artists who have now spoken out against Putin and this war directly. Yep. Who are some of those other artists? Yeah, let's let's spend a little time talking about the people who did actually speak out. And I beg of you guys, I tried to look up as many of these pronunciations as I could, um, and I've tried to write them out phonetically, but I probably, especially with this one... Uh, Soprano, I will probably mess up their name a little bit. Feel free to correct me on the Discord. I may do a corrections corner on these names, but I, I'm trying. So first up, we have the musical director of the Czech Philharmonic, who's Simeon Bichkov, who encouraged other Russians to speak out. And he said, silence in the face of evil becomes its accomplice and ends up becoming its equal. To remain silent today is to betray our conscience and our values and ultimately, and ultimately what defines the nobility of human nature. Dang. Similarly, uh, Kirill Petrenko, the conductor of the Berliner Philharmonic, didn't mince words in his criticism of Russia's attack. Putin's insidious attack on Ukraine, which violates international law, is a knife in the back of the p- entire peaceful world. It is also attack on the arts, which, as we know, unite across all borders. Yeah. You also have Evgeny Kisin, uh, who is a pianist, who described Russia's unprovoked invasion of Ukraine as a crime that cannot be justified. And you also have Natalia Pishenich-Nikova, who is a soprano, flautist, and composer. She said, I want to scream on behalf of the Ukrainian mothers whose children have died in shelling, on behalf of the Russian mothers whose children have been made into invaders and murderers. But I scream on my own behalf, Russia, stop this war. I don't want this shameful and traitorous war. And like I said, that is a couple high-profile names that I've pulled from a list of 17,000 people who work in the culture sector in Russia and outside of Russia, obviously. I mean, that's really honestly the sad thing about everything that's going on is that there are so many Russian artists and like Russian civilians who like see this attack for what it is and just hate that this is happening. And so absolutely bravo to these people who are, I, I don't even know if it's just like a moral compass, but just believing in what's right and, and, you know, accepting what retaliation may come with sticking to your guns. Yeah. And, and these people have also lost work because of it. The Bolshoi has fired, uh, I think, at least one of its directors for a new show. They've canceled multiple performances because the director of the Bolshoi supports Ukraine. It's not like these people aren't risking anything. Oh, there's a huge risk. Yeah, of course. And like I said, a good number of those people are actively living and working in Russia. It is incredibly brave and incredibly heartbreaking to read the words of these people who so desperately wish to not be lumped in with a war that they don't want to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Which makes it all, all the more interesting to have the conversation about like i said the we we really honed in at the beginning on these two artists versus seventeen thousand. the idea of like taking russian artists off of the docket for the met for 
you know, a multitude of institutions. Although I will mention Anna Dutrebko is about to perform in Monte Carlo. So it's not like she didn't even, <laughs> she had to wait two months. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, everyone who goes to that performance is a loser. Sorry. <laughs> You're lame. <laughs> Yeah. There are also questions about smaller competitions that artists are performing in. For example, I know that at the time, the Dublin International Piano Competition, which is in Ireland, and the Honens International Piano Competition, which is in Canada, had withdrawn invitations to Russian participants. And those participants, for the most part, were in their 20s or in college. They're students. And that, to me, is a different question. It's a bit of a different thing to, like, refuse Russian artists who, once again, aren't even living in Russia, participation in competitions based solely on the fact that they are Russian. Yeah, that's definitely where the line needs to be drawn because that's just not right. Um, Students who are trying to participate in competitions are not the ones who are making this war happen. Um, I just feel like that's very misguided. Yeah. And listen, everyone has social media. If this was a case of like they went on their, you know, social media or whatever, and it's all pro Putin stuff, then yeah, withdraw an invitation. But solely on the basis of being Russian is not being Russian itself is not a crime. Yeah, that's getting us into some pretty dangerous territory. Yeah. And I think that is the question, you know, when we were talking earlier, the big question is like, can you separate art and politics? And I think for myself personally, Though I am absolutely open and I welcome other people's opinions and thoughts on this, uh, especially, you know, on Instagram, on Discord. If you if you have a different opinion from me, I'd love to hear it. I'm always open to hear other points of view. For me, that is where the line is drawn is it's not about being Russian. It's about being pro Putin Mm -hmm. or having a long and very well documented history of being pro Putin. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's where me, the line is drawn and where I say, yeah, it's completely acceptable that you wouldn't put someone who's over the years repeatedly supported a, a violent dictator on stage. And of course, a lot of these places have replaced those artists with Ukrainian artists, which I think is pretty sick. I love that. I'm forgetting the name of the Ukrainian soprano. I think that replaced Anna Trebko. She came out in like dressed in the flag. In, like the, yeah, which is so unfortunately the show amazing. was Turandot. Which is a different story, but <laughs> but I do love that she came oh, out in the flag. One step at a time. One step at a time. We're not going to worry about that one today. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I love opera, but it does kind of feel like we're we're just throwing punches at every which way. <laughs> All the time. Lyudmila oh. Monastirska is the soprano. Thank you. Who, who took over, and by all means, uh, by all the reviews, seems like she did a, an absolutely magnificent job. So congratulations to her. I love the picture and her flag. I know, it really is just so victorious. And, like, just the absolute joy and pride is just, wow. Yeah. It's, it's very powerful. I absolutely think. And, uh, you know, there was also the, the bass baritone who's in their Young Artist program right now. Who led them in the Ukrainian national anthem mm-hmm. uh, for their opening of uh, Don Carlos? Yeah, it is very. It's in a very interesting time because I feel like most of the world has very much just been unified in acknowledging that the war going on right now is just bad. It's a crime <laughs> all it's around. A crime. Yeah, 
and is just horrible. And so it is interesting to see everybody kind of like rally together very quickly in support of Ukraine and honestly in support of Russian artists who are speaking out against Putin. And it's just interesting because I feel like there aren't very many other instances where we've been so united on this front, you know? Um, yeah. Well, and let's not and- <laughs> forget let's not forget to mention we were all super surprised when the Met moved so quickly to remove Anna Netrebko because for no no other reason not the me too comments, not her refusal to take a stance on the fact that like at at one point there were really serious, you know, um anti-gay laws being passed in Russia and she refused to commentate on it despite the fact that as you can imagine working in the arts field most people in here are somewhere on the LGBTQ plus spectrum. And she refused to make comments about it. And there were protests outside the theaters. And that's the whole thing is like, for no other reason, they never ever would have pulled her. So the fact that they moved so quickly and said like, we're gonna, and they supposedly, some reports said that they really pushed her like, please make an anti-Putin statement. Please like remove your support from this leader. Yeah. Um, so the fact that they moved so quickly to remove her, and even when she came out and made her statement that, like, the war itself should end, um, they still didn't bring her back in, says a lot. And I, it gives me hope that for the future of the Met, that we don't have to, it makes me happy, because it makes me feel like one day we don't have to burn the Met to the ground. It makes me feel like there's a chance that what was a giant cultural institution can actually be a force for good. Yes, a force for good. Maybe in this respect when it matters. Because Maybe. this is all white people having issues with white people. But <laughs> I guess we'll see white for on future. White on white crime. Yeah. I don't know. It's like I'm very proud of the Met for acting quickly. But it also like is a little suspicious to me. Yeah. There is always the fear of like, is it because they know people would like it? But we we have to take it one step at a time. And we just have to keep watching over a prolonged period of time to see whether the Met is going to continue on this path or if, you know, they think the public eye has dropped on them. And by the way, Met, by the way, Peter Gelp, I'm never not looking. <laughs> I'm always suspicious, but I'm always like suspicious. Said. I'm always watching. But it it will be interesting when if they feel like the cultural eye has dropped off of this push for progress, if they will just simply return to the way they were. And, and so once again, the real through line of this conversation is like, can you separate art and politics? You know, and Anna Netrebko very much wanted to. She wanted to separate her artistic self from her political self, whether it was because she thought it was right, whether she really supports Putin or whether it was just advantageous to do so, to be political. And I think that might be the wrong question because realistically, yeah, you can separate art and politics. There is plenty of art that has no political meaning. When I see a, when I see a picture of a, a ship, I don't think politics. <laughs> you know, I don't think every piece of art I've ever seen is, is inherently a heavily political piece. And there's plenty of art I enjoy that isn't political. The question really should be, should I separate art and politics? And that I would say no. Because once again, it's not that every piece of art has to be political, but we shouldn't refuse to make art political either. Art and music and theater have always been ways of speaking out against injustice. 
And they are very effective forms because the reality is, is that as much as logic and reason and all of these other important pieces of conversation happen, art gets to our heart and especially to hearts that have hardened themselves against certain topics, certain ideas, certain people. Art touches us in a way that sometimes logic and reason cannot. And that is why there are so many governments and so many so many powerful groups that are afraid of art because art reaches people with a speed and a power that is not possible for most people, for most, you know, government groups. And I think also we can't separate people and what we do as humans from the art we make. I, I don't think we should separate artists and what they make from what they believe especially if they decided to express those beliefs openly and do things in support of those beliefs. There are people who will not like me because of what I believe. There are people I grew up with who will not like me because of what I believe. And that's okay, because I've put myself behind these beliefs because I think that's what's right. And everyone should be able to do that. Everyone should be able to stand up behind what they believe. Because what you believe should really be more important than any opera you're ever in. And if you're lucky, what you believe should be a part of every piece of art and every opera that you're in. The reality is, is like, especially now, with the way the world is, with the way we are, with everything that is happening in front of us, we cannot escape politics in our lives because politics have thoroughly, thoroughly integrated themselves into, unfortunately, our every single day. Mm -hmm. They are the politics of our bodies, of our love lives, and our death. It's in every moment. And so because of what art is, because art imitates life, <laughs> it is probably not going to be apolitical. And realistically, if you do step back and you say, I really don't like political art. I don't want to make political art. I don't want to be a part of political art. I'm really sick of seeing like heavy handed political art. If that's what's going on in your head right now, if that's what you really want to say, I want you to ask yourself, is it because the politics of that art don't affect you? Is it because the thing that they're fighting for, whether whether it gets changed or not, it doesn't affect you? It's not going to affect your life. Because the reality is, is a lot of times our desire to separate ourselves from things that are political uh, is from a place of privilege. They are politics that inconvenience us, but will never touch us personally. Because the reality is, you and I, Michelle and I, and most of the people listening to this, are not living in an active war zone will not affect us today. We, we can go to our pianos and we can sing and practice and go about what we are very lucky to get to do without thinking about the fact that we need to find shelter or food or water or figure out where our family is. We are so, so lucky. So if you are coming from that perspective where you're really sick of political art, I have to ask you, is it because it doesn't affect you? And the question is, will you stand up for the people that it does affect because one day it might affect you? And so I guess that's where I'm at with all of it, is recognizing that maybe our immense desire to remove ourselves from politics is a desire that is made out of the feeling of being inconvenienced more than the stance that art should be apolitical. And so that's that's what I, I leave you guys with, to ponder. And I think because of the tone of this podcast, it goes without saying, but our hearts go out to the people in Ukraine who are fighting for the safety of themselves and their families and their country. 
who are fighting against inhumane crimes that should never have happened. That's all for us this week, and we will see you all next week.